your Bibles and, and turn with me to Jonah uh, chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4, and it's the section from verse 5 through to the end of the chapter. So, um, in our morning services, as we've been studying the book of Acts, we have seen, and we will continue to see it, I think as we go through the the book of Acts, that one of the primary functions, one of the the, the main functions of the New Testament church is to do what? It is to witness to the good news of the gospel, isn't it? That uh, simply put, our job as Christians, as we've already seen in Acts, our job as Christians is to tell other people about Jesus. But of course... Our role of witnessing, this task that that we're we're talking about there, is not supposed to be something that is kind of dry. You know, our witnessing to Jesus Christ is not supposed to be something that is mechanistic or uh, formulaic. It is not supposed to be something that is impersonal. Basically, this idea of witnessing about Jesus Christ is not kind of just to be seen as a duty of Christians or just... A responsibility. And so with that in mind, tonight what we're going to do is we are going to... We're going to think about what stops our witnessing being dry. Like Tonight what we're going to consider is the necessary accompaniment to witnessing. And our theme tonight, therefore, is compassion... And it's compassion for the lost. So that's what we'll be looking at tonight. Compassion for the lost. Now, if you're new to the church, or if you've not been here for, for a couple of weeks, you might not be all that familiar with what we're doing here, and um, what we've been looking at in the, in the book of Jonah. Well, what we've seen in the last chapter, really, is God blow the roof off the place. Haven't we? You know, because in the previous chapter, God's acted and he's promised deliverance. He's promised mercy to these wicked people. The whole city of Nineveh. And then last week, what did we see? We saw Jonah's reaction to that. Basically last week, we saw a cheesed off prophet, didn't we? I mean, God has turned away his anger and Jonah has turned to anger. Here's a man who is incensed. A man who is raging that God would even dare to save these people. So that's where we are. So this week, let's see how this book ends, shall we? How does it end? Let's consider our first thing. Let's consider point one, proclaiming with compassion. Okay? Proclaiming with compassion. Now, everyone's got their Bibles ready, I'm sure. Edge of our seat, we are eager to hear what God is saying to us. So let's get to the text. And uh, if you're someone who has a good, solid Christian upbringing, you know, if you're somebody who's got, you know, Christian grandparents, Christian parents and you know the stories of the Bible and in particular if you are familiar with the King James version of the Bible 
when you see that we're getting into Jonah chapter 4, you're thinking, aha, I know what we've got here. We have got Jonah and the gourd. Okay, Jonah and the plant, the vine. And that's right, that is what we are going to be looking at tonight. But before we get there, before we start thinking about this vine and the plant that's mentioned, there's something else, something we've got to notice before we get there. Now just follow me through in your minds the previous events that we've in the run-up to Jonah chapter 4, just think about what we've looked at. We've seen Jonah being told to proclaim the word to Nineveh, right? And he's done that, hasn't he? He was told to do it by God. He's done, okay, he's done it grudgingly, I guess, but he has gone into the city and he's told them this message. Then what happens? Tells the message. And it's met with, he sees the beginnings of repentance from the the city. And then he realizes that God is going to show mercy. That God is going to deliver these people. So what does he do? He's preaching to repent. And he sees there's going to be, how does he have? Did you see it? He goes out of the city. I mean, the guy retreats, if you like, and what do you see? Do you see it? Sort of verse four, verse five. He 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 goes to the east side of Nineveh. He makes a shelter. Verse five it says, and he waits to see what is going to happen. Now, do you see the, the the problem with that? Do you see what 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 Jonah's doing wrong here? I'll tell you what the problem is. Jonah is acting like my four-year-old boy. That's what he's doing. Because my son is at that stage that all guys get to, and I tell you, it's a stage that I think no guy grows out of, because he is that stage where he's become obsessed with power tools. And I'm pretty sure that the guys in here would agree with me that you just don't grow out of that obsession. Well, my wee boy, he's got to that stage where he's got all the sort of toy drills and the workbench, and he's obsessed. And see, what it means is that whenever I am doing any DIY around the house, and it's rare, but whenever I'm sort of fixing a skirting board, or I'm up a ladder, you know, I'll climb up a ladder, and then I'll feel that presence, and I'll sort of look around, and he's there, you know? The wee boy's there, and he's looking over my shoulder, and he's, he's intrigued by what's going on, and oh, he wants to know, and he's observing it all. That's Jonah. Isn't it? That's what we've got Jonah doing here. You see, he is observing. That's all he's doing. He is on the outside of the city. He's moved out of the city and now he is looking in. Now do you see the the problem with that? Why is the guy not in there? Why is he not in there with the, the residents of the city? Because you think about those people, you've got a population of the city that is just struggling with the repentance and sackcloth. And it's the people who are struggling with the the idea and the concept of the, the wrath of God coming on these people. And where's the prophet of the Lord? The prophet of the Lord is outside. He's chilling out in the shade. It is all wrong. You see, Jonah thinks that he has done his part. Doesn't he? 
He thinks he's fulfilled his role. God's told him, go and tell these people, go and preach a message. And now Jonah's done that, and so he thinks, fine. That's it, game over. I've done my part. That's that, my work here is done. But do you see it? He should be down there. He should be in there helping these people with their repentance. Jonah should be in that city explaining to them what God is like. Jonah should be in there telling them his testimony of how God has shown deliverance to him in his own life. But he's not. He is a man on the outside looking in. It is a picture, isn't it, of dryness. You know, it's a picture of sort of a dry fulfilling of duty of someone who is just proclaiming a message and he is doing so without any love, without any compassion for the people that he's speaking to. And I I don't know where you are. I don't know what you think of Jonah, the book of Jonah. You know, tonight you might just think this is an obscure, weird book. And you might think this is, you know, just something that happened long ago. You might think it's irrelevant. And I tell you, it is not irrelevant. Because you see this problem here of this total lack of love in proclaiming a message? That's a great problem in the 21st century church. This lack of love, this lack of compassion, that is a problem in LCPC. This is a problem that we have. See, friends, we we talk a lot, and I, I and we think about a lot, and I hope we pray a lot about opportunities. To talk to other people about Jesus. But perhaps we're not so good when it comes to talking about and thinking about and praying about a deepening love and a deepening compassion for those people that we are seeking to reach. Isn't that what we're like? Isn't it? Think about Jesus and Nicodemus. Now, Jesus tells Nicodemus the message, doesn't he? He he, he tells him the crux of it all. You must be born again. But you see, when that is met with, what's it met with? Confusion from Nicodemus? When it's met with sort of bewilderment from Nicodemus, Jesus hasn't gone anywhere. Jesus is, is still there. Jesus explains things again to Nicodemus. You know, you, you, you must be born of, of water and the Spirit. He, he explains it to Nicodemus, what he means. He also gives him an illustration of what it means in the, in the Spirit and the wind. Jesus helps Nicodemus to understand. And friends, that is what we have to be doing. We have to be doing things like freeing up time to spend with the people that we are trying to reach. We've got to free up time. We have got to be praying more for their souls. 
We have to be really thinking about how we can demonstrate to these people, how we can show them that we love them. And we have to be there when they've got questions and worries and queries about faith, questions about Jesus Christ. You see, the mission of the church is not just to testify to Jesus Christ. The mission of the church is to testify to Christ with sincerity of heart. Let's not do as Jonah does here. Let us not just be Christians who proclaim and then sit back in the shade and wait to see if salvation comes to the city. Let's not do that. Instead, point one, let us proclaim with compassion. Proclaim with compassion. Okay, when I was at school years ago, I had a teacher. Um, he was a physical education teacher. I don't know if that translates. Gym class, basically, I think. Um, and this teacher was a, a sort of great believer in using pupils as illustrations. Um, and I remember, for instance, on one occasion, um, he was showing us that when we were playing rugby, and I suppose it's the same in American football, that sort of thing, that it was important to leave your your movements in the game to the last moment. And so what he did was he got one of the, the class out of the playing fields to run towards him at full pelt. Imagine, I'm pretty sure you can guess what happens, but this the student is running towards him at the last minute, and he says, you've got to run towards me, and you've got to try and rugby tackle me. Knock me to the ground. And of course, what does the PE teacher do? Just at the last minute, he moves to the side and this poor student flies through the air and lands in the mud. So he, this teacher, he was a great believer in illustrations. He was a great believer in object lessons. And we've seen Jonah sitting in his shelter here and he's observing the city. But as we come now to the gourd, and as we come to this vine, this plant, what we see secondly in Jonah 4 is God's object lesson. So our second point, our first point is proclaiming with compassion. Our second point is an object lesson in compassion. An object lesson in compassion. So what have we got? Okay. See what... When we're thinking about the shelter, or we're trying to sort of picture the shelter that, that Jonah has built here. I think what we've got to get our heads around is the fact that this shelter that he builds most probably didn't have a roof. Okay? It's a bit of speculation, maybe. But the reality is that in Nineveh, and in fact probably much of Mesopotamia, they're just simply, it was a pretty barren place. Okay, so there weren't that many trees kicking about. And although what we're told here is that Jonah sat in the shade initially for a while, what becomes clear pretty soon is that he needed greater protection, didn't he? He needed um, greater shade from the power of the sun. And so what God does into that Just like the storm in chapter 1 and the whale 
in chapter 2, in this sort of another display of his sovereignty over nature, is God causes this, this vine to, to grow up, this plant to grow up out the ground very quickly and, and cover Jonah and, and give him shade. And you see in it, we're drawn to, to Jonah's happiness. The, the guy is delighted by this vine, by this plant. But that delight's very short-lived, isn't it? Because the next thing that God does, first thing in the morning, he causes a worm to come along and, and destroy this this vine, leaving Jonah exposed to the elements. And then God causes this wind to come, which makes Jonah feel faint. So you see it? Plant up, eaten by the worm, then the wind. So that's the object lesson. But what's the point of it? What, what, what do we learn? Well, folks, think about this. We've already seen in the book of Jonah that sometimes God permits difficulty in order to bring us back to him. He permits difficulty in order to bring us back to him. Now, we... We saw that with a storm. Do you remember that? God permits the storm, causes the storm to bring Jonah back to, to him. Well, I guess what we've got here is kind of similar to that, isn't it? Because here we've got God permitting difficulty for Jonah, and it's not to restore necessarily. But get this, what we see here is that God permits difficulty to draw out of us certain Christian characteristics. He permits difficulty in our life to shape us in a certain direction, to draw out of us a certain Christian virtue or a certain Christian characteristic. You see, what's the the point of this whole object lesson? It's, It's to enhance compassion. It's to enhance Jonah's love. So sometimes, sometimes, let's get this right. God provides lessons to hone our characters, to perhaps enhance certain virtues. He provides lessons for us to go through, allows things to happen, so that we become more like Christ. But also what we see here is that sometimes, see these object lessons that we're talking about? Sometimes they have a positive side to them. You know that feeling, don't you? You've been exercising and uh, you've been to the gym, let's say, and you're hot and you are exhausted and you're absolutely parched. And uh, at that precise moment, your friend arrives, and what's he got? He's just gone and bought you a beautiful can of freezing cold Coke for you. It's perfect, you know? It's exactly, at that precise moment, exactly what you are after. Well, in some ways, that's what you've got with, with Jonah, isn't it? I mean, Jonah gets here, in this object lesson... The man gets exactly what he wants. Because picture him, he, 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 he's in this shelter 
let's say without a roof, in the shelter. And he's got the, the Middle Eastern sun beaten down on his head. You know? Here's a man who is roasting and he is suffering. He's so hot. And then God, what does he do? God provides this plant to grow up over him and to, to give him that, that shade. He is out of that Middle Eastern sun. The man gets exactly what he wants. And friends, that can be the case with the lessons that we go through as well. You see, when negative things happen in our lives, we're actually pretty good at at, at dealing with these spiritually, aren't we? We're good at analysing them. When negative things happen, we're pretty good at, at... Taking these to God. Negative thing happens, you pray. Negative thing happens, you ask God why. But I ask you tonight, is that the same when things go well? You see, usually what happens when when something great happens in our life is that we, we maybe say thank you to God at best. And then we just get on and we enjoy that, that, that positive thing. And, and to be honest, there's, there's a place for that. But I think perhaps more, what we should do more often is consider whether there is something that we're supposed to be learning from the good things that happen in our lives. Not to just let these things happen and, and fly by, but to think whether there's something that God is teaching us through these, these positive and great situations in our lives, is God trying to teach me something through them? So let's get this right. God can provide lessons to shape us and to shape and draw out a specific Christian characteristic. Sometimes these lessons, these object lessons, are, are you know, they contain a sort of positive side to them. But lastly in this, We've also got to be prepared that sometimes the lessons that God has for us are very, very difficult to take. That sometimes God's lessons are very difficult to take. Just think about Jonah again. The guys have this plant and it has meant the world to him, this plant. That's clear. But then what happens is that the plant is destroyed. God destroys that which was incredibly dear to him. He's not finished. What happens next? God causes this wind. You don't just be thinking about a wind. This is a scorching east wind. This is intense heat. And look at the result of this. This heat, this wind that God causes Jonah, it, it causes Jonah to, 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 to despair. It causes Jonah to cry out to God. And what does he ask God for? He wants death. That's how despairing Jonah is. This is an intense, this is a difficult lesson that Jonah has to deal with here. And folks, I think we have to face facts as Christians. 
Such is the, the filth. And such is the wickedness of our hearts. I mean, the dirt. Such is the wickedness that for us to be molded into Christ-likeness, if that is going to happen, then some of the lessons that we are going to have to go through are severe lessons. That if we are, are going to be changed, such is our sin, that there are going to have to be hard lessons to learn. And it might be the case that that's exactly where you are this evening. And it's exactly where you are. That you are going through something difficult. That you are going through a problem. Well, perhaps you need to consider whether it is that God is teaching you something in that. Perhaps that's what happens. And perhaps also consider maybe that like Jonah... Through this difficulty, through this problem, God is actually trying to enhance the compassion, the compassion that you have for other people. So we see here an object lesson, and it is an object lesson in compassion. Okay. Thirdly, We've seen, it. we've seen proclaiming with compassion. And we've seen this object lesson. And then thirdly, we see a God of great love and compassion. A God of great love and compassion. Now we saw this morning that, uh, that a crucial thing for a juror is obviously, what was it? It was evidence. And that was the most important thing. But I think when it comes to the actual argument that a lawyer uh, uses in the courtroom, I think it's probably the, the end of the closing argument that is perhaps most important. You know, the lawyer will very often leave the crucial point uh, to the end of his closing argument. Well, that is what happens in the book of Jonah. Um, because you see that the, the main theme, if you like, or certainly the crucial point of this whole book, it is left until now. You know, we've gone through it, and it is left, this, this main point is left, until the last few verses, last couple of verses of the very last chapter. So tonight, as we close the book, what are we told? Well, the last word's left to God, isn't it? Now, here God has given uh, Jonah this object lesson involving the gourd. And now what God does is he makes this argument. And again, the point of it, the point of the argument is to enhance and, and draw out compassion from Jonah. And as most technically speaking, it is an argument from the lesser to the greater, isn't it? See, effectively God says, Jonah, you're annoyed that this plant has died. You are showing compassion for this vine. Well, how much more so should I, God, be entitled to show compassion 
How much more so should I be entitled to show love towards a city of 120,000 souls? And do you see what God does? He draws attention to the fact that, that Jonah's care for this plant it has, do you see what, what God says? This care hasn't involved tending it or watching it grow. Hasn't involved tending it. Hasn't involved watching it grow. Whereas God, friends, what is God like? What does God do? Well, God watches over his people. God loves his people. He lovingly, protectingly observes us. He sustains us. He guides us. And God says that Jonah's care for this plant, it was fleeting. He draws attention to the fact that the, that the plant just sprung up overnight, died overnight. Now what's God like? You see, God, from eternity past, has planned things for us. And he is arranged things for us and he has given us hope and he has given us a future he has given us an organized a home in glory how much greater is God's love how much greater is God's compassion than Jonah's and of course you see there is an implicit challenge in this for Jonah. Because the point is, 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 friends, the point is not just about God's love and the extent of God's love here. There's more. God is challenging this guy. God is challenging Jonah. And he wants him to reassess his whole value system. You know, Jonah's concerned about a plant for goodness sake. He's concerned about a vine more than he is concerned about thousands of lost souls. And God says, no, that is not acceptable. God demands a re-evaluation. And you see with that, let me draw your attention to how the book closes. Dan and I were talking about this earlier on. It's fantastic how this book closes. It's so clever. You see, we don't know what Jonah did. He's challenged by God to reassess his whole value system and we've got no idea whether he did it or not. The book is left open. We don't know. But the book does end with a question. You see that? And that question, it's so skillfully done. The question is not just written for Jonah. And the question is written, do you see it, for the reader. The question is written for you. The question is written for me. It ends like this. Should God not be concerned about the great city. Now, do you see the point that's being made? We are being asked what the priority should be. We are being asked what is important to us. That's the point of the book. What is important to you is the material thing important. 
Is it the self-serving thing that's important? Or is it the lost people of the city? Friends, remember this thought. We've talked a lot about compassion tonight. If we want to avoid witnessing to the good news of the gospel, if we want to avoid doing that in this dry way, in a formulaic way, do you know what we have to do? We follow the example of our Saviour. Because what do we read in Luke's gospel? We read that like Jonah, Jesus stood and he looked over a city. He stood and he looked over Jerusalem. But unlike Jonah, he didn't wait just to see what was going to happen to the inhabitants of that city. Jesus instead wept for the lost souls. And such was his compassion that he went down into the city. And he was taken out of the city. And such was his compassion. Such was his love. That he was nailed to a cross. For those people's sakes. Let us thank God tonight for that. Display of love. And I tell you. Let us ask God. As London City Presbyterian Church. Let us ask him. Let us pray. For a greater degree of compassion and compassion for those who are most certainly perishing. Let's pray.